Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. So we've started talking about in the last three, two days, the new man in Christ. And, and most times, as the Lord begins to unveil His Word to us, it's important for us to open our heart to receive the truths of God's Word. And God began to teach us in the last couple of days concerning this new creation called the new man in Christ. And we established that God created man in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Now that's very important foundation because most times when we read that scripture, what comes to our mind very quickly is, God created man to have dominion. And the kind of dominion that comes to our mind and our hearts is, you know, financial dominion, dominion over territories, possessing things, having to start companies, um, being in charge. Well, there's nothing wrong with all of that. But I've been able to show you from scripture that when the Lord says, let us create man in our image and likeness and let them have dominion. He, of course, described over the fish of the sea, over the cattle and over the beds of the air. But what God intentionally and originally, or originally meant was representation. Everyone say representation. What God wanted is a man who would represent him 100%. That's what God was looking for. That's what God was building on the earth. And so when man fell as a result of sin, God had to kick start the plan of redemption. God had to kick start the plan of redemption. Now, when man is redeemed or when man was redeemed, man was redeemed back to that place where he can now truly represent Christ and represent God. Now listen to this. You got to listen carefully tonight. I said a quote yesterday by a man called C.S. Lewis, and I like the quote. And it summarizes God's plan of redemption. What was that quote? It says, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men can become what? The sons of God. And that's powerful. That the incarnation of Jesus, that Jesus coming down to the earth to live as man was to take our place and show us how we are to walk. Now, when we see the fallen man Adam, even when we see Abraham, even when we see Isaac, and we see Jacob, and we see Daniel, they do not give us a perfect representation of what God had in mind. Why? Because they could only encounter God through angels, through dreams, and through what God spoke to them. The man who represented God fully on the earth, the way God wants us to represent him on the earth, is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, that at sundry times God spoke through the prophets, but now God is speaking to us in his son, who is the express image of God. That means Jesus is the perfect representation of God. Let me give you an example. When Jesus was teaching, there were certain people who did not receive him. They did not receive the disciples. And the disciple says, hey, do you want us 
Do you want us to call down fire from heaven as Elijah did? You know what happened? Jesus rebuked them. Even though Elijah did it, it did not perfectly represent the heart of God. Because God is not in the killing business. God is the God is in the redemption business. And he says, you know not what manner of spirit you are made of. God did not allow them to do it, even though Elijah did it. Why? Because it is Jesus that gives us a perfect example of who God is, not Elijah. Are we still together? So Jesus is the express image of God. Jesus reveals to us what God had in mind when he created man. And that is why redemption is a beautiful story. Because redemption is God restoring us back in the exact tense, the way he wanted us. Go to Ephesians. Let's read that. Ephesians 4.17. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 17. Are we still here? Say amen if you're here. These I say therefore. And testify in the Lord. That you should no longer walk. As the rest of the Gentiles. In the futility of the mind. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Being alienated from the life of God. They were separated. The Gentiles, the man without Christ, is separated from the life of God. So the man without Christ do not know how to live the life of God. There is a life. There's a God kind of life. There is a way God wants believers to live. But the man who is not born again do not have, do not have access to this life. Now go on. Quickly look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. Which was created according to God. In true righteousness. He says the new man was created according to God. He was patterned after God. In true righteousness. What is that new man? That's the man who is born of the Spirit. You see, <laughs> go to John chapter 3. Go to John chapter 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you there? Say amen if you're there. I want to tell you something first. Do you find it interesting that the first man that Jesus told to be born again was a religious leader? It was a religious leader. He was in the city. Let's read. Let's read. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. You see, something about the body of Christ today is that they have very, the body of Christ generally have very little respect for the teaching ministry. 
Why? Because it's, 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 you know, prophetic ministry is more. People want their problems called. People want, uh, others to identify the cause of their problem. And so sometimes when you're a teacher, you know, it's like, it's like you bore believers. You, 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 you bore them. People just get tired. Sometimes when you're teaching, people are looking at you like, and when are we going to finish? When are we going to finish? But this man recognized something about Jesus. You know what he recognized? He says, you are a teacher come from God. One of the things we need to pray again is for God to restore to the body, the office of teachers. Look at it. Let's read on. Say, Rabbi, we know that your teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs. You do, unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Who was Jesus talk, talking about being born again to? A ruler of the synagogue. The guy was a religious man. He did not have an understanding of the kingdom. In fact, look at this. It says, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Come on, this guy was a ruler of the synagogue. Yet he did not understand the mystery of the new birth. He had no clue what it means to be born again. Imagine what he was asking Jesus. He says, do you mean that I'll get back into my mother's womb? This guy was a ruler. He was a leader. (laughs) You know, most people today, if you ask them, what does it mean to be saved? Many people have no clue what salvation is. You begin to hear very interesting things. I'm a member of a church. It doesn't mean you're saved. I go to church. It doesn't mean you're born again. I do devotions. It doesn't mean you're born again. Many people do not have a clue what salvation is. No clue. Because it is something we don't even talk about. We don't even emphasize it. So, you see, we treat salvation with a very, how do I put it now? Uh, uh, We treat salvation like it's one of those things. Let's move on to better things. I gave you an example. If someone were to come here today and say, well, praise the Lord. Uh, You know, during the, the course of this meeting, I accepted the Lord. Jesus as my savior, he's now my lord, I'm born again, I want you guys to rejoice with me. You see people will just clap, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, go and sit down. And then let somebody just come, well praise the lord, uh, just the first night of this meeting, you know, papa just spoke a word, and I went home, and I discovered that my, my uncle, they just called me from the uncle, from my, from my village, that my uncle is dead. I know that my problems is over. You just people say, well, we tap into that anointing. We tap into it. We tap into it. Oh, you just hear that. Well, praise the Lord. After I did this, did this, I just went home and someone just gave me a car. Well, the whole church will erupt in joy. Oh, you just hear that? Well, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, you know, I, I got home after the meeting and then they just called me from Asso Rock. That you're now the special advisor. You're, you're going to see people who say, wow, this, this, this commission has power. And yet, just few minutes ago, someone got born again. It didn't mean anything to us. It was like, let's move on to higher things. What higher thing can there be more than someone who was not a child of God has now become one of God's? 
It's because we still do not understand that salvation was God's ultimate plan. God was not as concerned about the garden as he was concerned about his man. Do you realize something? That the scripture never talks about the garden of Eden anymore. You realize that there was no discussion about the garden. You know, some of you might be concerned. I saw what happened to the garden now. What, what happened to the garden? No. If you realized God's conversation all through scripture, he began to focus on the man. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Are you following? God began to, because man is the crown of God's creation. Why? God's plan of salvation began to work from the Old Testament right down to the New Testament. God began to focus on redeeming man. Look at what he told Nicodemus. Interesting conversation. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Hmm. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So here Jesus began to introduce the conversation of a new species of people. Here Jesus began to have a conversation with Nicodemus about a new set of people that were or are going to be born, but they are going to be born of the spirits. The introduction, the, the, the conversation about the new creation starts with a religious leader. Why? Because they were under the law. They did not know what it means to receive this new life in Christ. They could not comprehend it. That a day will come that man, that God is going to live in man again. You know, <laughs> interesting. When Solomon built his temple, God began to dwell in arcs. Began to construct arcs. The tents. God began to dwell in tents. And then Solomon built his temple. They had the Holy of Holies. <laughs> then they built the temple in Jerusalem. And then on the Mount Oliver, Jesus sat with his disciples and said, This particular temple, not one stone is going to be upon each other. And he said, What? This temple? Do you know how long it took us to build it? Do you know the energy it took us to build it? And in AD 70, when the invasion came upon Jerusalem, man, the temple was, was scattered. But that's not, that's not where I'm going to. When Jesus was on the cross and he cried, the scripture says that the rope in the temple that separated the holies of holies was torn in two. What happened? That day, that day, that day, God took his permanent residence from temple made with hands and transferred it into man. From that day, it was settled forever that God was going to start dwelling in man. And that's been God's intention. 
Are you following what I'm saying? No matter how beautiful this uh, fellowship center is, this is not where it contains God. We are the carriers of God. Are you following what I'm saying? It must dawn on you again that you are now the temple of the living God that he lives in you. That's been God's ultimate plan. And it's amazing today that we're running from pillar to post, looking for what is wrong with us, looking for who is pursuing us. You know, we always come to church with a victim mindset. Oh God, do something for me. Oh God, turn my story around. Which, what, what is your story exactly? And you know, our problem, our story is that our next door neighbor drove and we didn't drive. You know, I was telling my, my brother today, we went to preach in one of our mission stations, and I was telling him that the greatest problem of Christianity today is we have taught prosperity and we have not taught contentment. Most believers are actually very covetous. Why? When they see what someone else has, it becomes a prayer point. Oh God, if you can do it for that person, you can do it for me. You know, God might not want to reproduce some things in your life. Okay. Yeah, I know those kind of preaching don't get a lot of amen, so it's fine. Are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll show you something. First Corinthians 12, 13. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? First Corinthians 12, 13. <laughs> For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, you must understand the context of why, of why Paul was writing this. Paul was writing to a culture that had people who were free and then had slaves working for them. Now, <laughs> look at this. When you read this, right, it looks like it's a very, you know, like, uh, there's no big deal there. Yes, I understand. No, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. This was revolutionary. Because you know what was happening? It was like, you are the master or the mistress in the house, and then you got a slave. And then Paul writes a letter, both of you are in the church, and Paul writes a letter to you, and says, you... And your slave, you were all baptized by one spirit into one body. That in fact, by that baptism, it did not matter anymore if you were the master or he was the slave. Do, do you understand that? It was, it was a concept that he could not understand. It means that the slave you got, the fact that that slave is now born again and you are born again, actually, there is no longer any division between both of you. It's the same spirit. It was, it was mind blowing. Many people could not understand it. Are you following what I'm saying? How can you say, me and my slave, we are now one body? No, it cannot be. Paul says, listen, whether you are a Jew, whether you were the first nation, God began to reveal himself to through the law, or you were, or, or you were a Greek, a Gentile, who did not have any knowledge of the law. Paul says, at this time, we are now equal in Christ. Only the gospel can deal with racism. Nothing else. Nothing else. Only 
gospel would be able to deal with that inferiority complex in our mind. Amazingly, even in church, we haven't been able to deal with this. Somebody gets born again. He's a general manager in a company. He gets born again. Without him understanding the rudiments of Christianity, we just quickly ordain him a deacon. The reason is, it's not because we really want to make him a deacon. We need some of his money. We, we cannot, we, we won't feel comfortable that a boy from the streets who got born again 10 years ago and who is still struggling to pay his rent might be more knowledgeable than this man who is a manager of a bank or who is a manager of a company. We, we, you know, we read spiritual things by very natural things. And that's why James began to address and say, listen, why is it that when a rich person comes, you tell him, sit here and prepare a seat for him. And a poor person comes and he say, well, sit at my feet. It is because we have not understood salvation. That in salvation is the quality of all men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. The blessing in Christ is the blessing of salvation. That's the gospel that that, that was preached to Abraham. Thank you Lord Jesus. Are you still here? That's the gospel. So Paul began to talk about this mystery. Ephesians 3, 4. If you understand this, you will no longer see yourself inferior. You know that you're a son of God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4. Paul says by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And I define this mystery, Colossians 1.27. It says Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said that's the mystery. That's what God has been trying to pass across. That Christ can actually live in man. That man can contain divinity. And listen carefully. This is not just only for your pastor. This is not only just for your prophet. This is for every born again child of God. That we now have access to God. That we can call God our father. Glory to God. It changes everything about our lives. It says, this is the mystery. Colossians 1.27 To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is Christ in you. It means that the, the perfect representation of God can find its resting place in man. It's amazing. It's amazing. Ask yourself, why do you think Christ can live in you? Ask yourself that question. Why do you think, who are you exactly? <laughs> some of you, let me use some of us. Some of us, you know, believers get offended now. You can make an example from the pulpit and someone leaves the church. Say they were talking about me. <laughs> Some of us, our parents were so rich, we couldn't be giving birth to in the hospital. We had to be giving birth to in some woman's house because it was cheaper. And yet God says, I can still live in you. Praise God. Some of you, when you look at your family lineage from your great grandfather, let's even extend two more generations. If they add up everything they have plus you, 
and maybe add two of your future generations together. You might not be able to still buy anything worthwhile. But God says, it's not a problem. If you get born again, I can live in you. You see, until we begin to celebrate our salvation, we will find our meaning in worthless things. It will now begin to boil down to the clothes we wear, the house we drive. That's why sometimes, I'll tell you the truth. You know, we cry corruption all the time in the country. We cry corruption, we cry corruption. The truth of the matter is that you would also feel that for the southern states in this country where everybody says they are Christian, corruption will be less. But it's not. Who is corrupt? Myself and yourself. Corruption is not a spirit. Corruption is a habit that is born out of greed and covetousness. You have a contract to buy 50 chairs, you buy 20, and you stand to build your own house. That's corruption. Am I right? Bending the laws to satisfy your greed. Where are the corrupt people found in our churches every week? You know why? Because we take our self-esteem from what we drive, what we wear. Are you following what I'm saying? And you know, when you preach this way, you say, no, I don't believe in a poverty gospel. No, 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 no. You see, you see something. You must understand something. The gospel is rich towards all. It will, it will bless the poor. It will bless the rich. The rich needs the gospel. The poor needs the gospel because all men are sinners and have come short of the glory of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You remember the man Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus met Jesus, and Jesus met him and said, today salvation is coming to your house. Listen, Jesus did not preach restitution to Zacchaeus. We preach it as a church doctrine. I don't even have time to talk about that. When he met Jesus, he said, wow, all that I have, half of what I've taken, I'll give to Nobody preached to him. He met Christ. When he met Christ, the value of Christ was higher than the value of his possessions. He told himself, I'll give them away. I found you. Nobody preached to him. Nobody preached to him. Look at that man, the religious man. He kept all the laws. Jesus says, you know, go sell what you have and give to the poor. The Bible says he went back sorrowful. It says, for he had many possessions. Why do you think that the Old Testament saints, when they found Christ, they sold all they had and they brought it? What did they see? What will make a man sell what he has and say, take for the gospel? He has found something higher. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, people come to me today and say, oh, pastor, ah, this, this tight issue, what is your take? You know what I tell them? You know what I tell them? My take is your take. Do you know what? I don't have a problem with that. When you truly meet Christ, 10% is meaningless to you for the sake of the gospel. You will not even think about it. You will see the depravity of the human world and there will be an aching in your heart. How can we reach them? How much more can we do? I'm going to show you. Because that's where I want to end tonight. The responsibility of the new man in Christ is the proclamation of the gospel. That's his responsibility. That's his aim. God is counting on us. God is depending on us. Look at cultism all over our society. Kidnapping all over our society. The solution is not higher fences. The solution is not more electric fences. The solution is not more CCTV cameras. The solution is the gospel. 
You know, somebody say, oh, it's unemployment that is causing it. No, when you are born again and unemployed, you will not be thinking of stealing. Something will restrain you. Christ will do that to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, should they solve the unemployment problem? Yes, most people who call themselves believers in government offices, if, if they were truly believers, they would have solved the problem. That's why I listen, and I say boldly, I'm a pastor, but I don't, I don't, I don't sell this thing from the pulpit, vote a Christian, vote, no, vote somebody who will do the right thing. Because some Christians in politics are worse off. Why? Because of greed that has not been taught rightly. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you still here? I said, are you still here? So, I dealt with Romans chapter 6. I showed you the theology of Paul in redemption. Romans 6, 2. We died to sin. Romans 6, 3. We're baptized into his death. Romans 6, 4. We're buried with him. Romans 6, 4. We were raised with him. Romans 6, 6. Our old man was crucified with Christ. Romans 6, 12. Sin should not have dominion over us. That is Paul's theology of redemption to the Romans. Let's look at Paul's summary of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. Are you learning anything? You guys are so quiet. Are you learning anything? Say amen if you are. Thank you. You know, <laughs> may God fill our heart with the awesomeness of his revelation. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received. I like this. And in which you stand. He says, I'm talking to you about the gospel. The gospel you received and the gospel you stand. What is our aim for Explore Bible Conference? It is that we might look at the scriptures again and stand in the conviction of them thereof. We're not in doubt of our salvation. You know, someone was telling me something. Uh, I was discussing with him. And I, he said, I'm just praying. I don't want to, I, I just, just want to miss heaven. I, I don't want to miss heaven. That's what I'm just praying. <laughs> I said, miss it? How? I turned to Ephesians. And I showed them. It says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. He said, eh, I know. <laughs> I said, no, you don't know. You, you don't. He said, I, I know. But that, on that last day, I said, I said, <laughs> I said, what is the assurance of your salvation? What is the assurance? What's the conviction that you're saved? This is because you've not been taught salvation. So you don't even know if you're saved. You know what Moses said? Let me even show you an Old Testament example. I'll leave that and I'll continue with my message. But I want you to study more. You know what Moses told God? He says, if this people, if you're going to 
If you're going to kill these people and they will not get into the promised land, you know what Moses told God? He said, blot my name out of the book of life. Have you read that? Talk to me now. We are, we are all Christians here. This is a believers conference. He said, blot my name out of the book of life. Is that what God told Moses? Yeah. Is that what Moses told God rather? Yes. How did Moses know his name was there? How did he know? That was the Old Testament. Christ has not even died. The man was sure. He didn't say, check, if you see my name, cancel it. He said, no. He said, remove it. I know it's there. Remove it. Christ had not even died for him, but he was too sure. He says, to the children of Israel, show my acts. But Moses knows my way. He says, if there is a prophet, I speak to them in similitude. He says, but to Moses, I speak face to face. Moses' relationship with was God. He was too sure that his name was on the book of life. Too sure. It wasn't a prayer point. Let's leave that for another day. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you. You know, our problem started where we started using the Bible to solve all kinds of problems. It's good. I mean, I'm a word of faith guy. I can teach you how to use the word again. But you know, our understanding of the scripture just began to depreciate. So, what can the Bible give to me? Fruit of the womb, car, employment. So, we don't even study the Bible for what it is. I can, I can, I mean, I, I bet you. Go and meet any believer that you know that goes to church and ask them, what does the word justification mean? What does it mean to be justified? What is predestination? What is redemption? What is sanctification? You will see one million and one kinds of it. Some don't even have a clue. Some when you ask them, what is justification? Is it a new series? Is it like the game of thrones or something? No idea. Because they don't read those verses of scripture. You know, some people actually think back to sender is in the scriptures. Like back to sender is somewhere in the Bible. I don't know where it is, but my pastor said it is there. <laughs> I've heard believers quote parables even in worship. Just lift up your hands, lift up your hands. You know, heaven help those who help themselves. Just lift your hands. Heaven help those who help themselves. We should lift our hands to where? <laughs> May God saturate our hearts with the knowledge of his will. Hallelujah. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. What did this man, what did these men found in the gospel that made them to, to, to offer their lives? Why did Thomas go to India and die? Why did Peter say, don't crucify me this way? To turn me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified for the master. What did they found? What is it? What did these men realize about God's plan that made this, this world so ephemeral to them? Why would Paul say, woe is me if I preach not the gospel? They beat this guy, he will still preach. Why? Who was he preaching for? Why didn't Paul retire? Because these men believed that the gospel was God's heartbeat. You know, one of our greatest problems in Christianity also is when we began to tell people, if you like evangelism, join the evangelism department. Two departments I've never, I've never heard in church is prayer department and evangelism department. Every believer must learn to pray and every believer is called to evangelize. 
I ask some of you now, when last did you win a soul to Christ? For some of you, you'll be celebrating your 10 years anniversary of when you last preached to someone. Preaching to someone is not, is not sharing your church stickers. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm from, uh, uh, SYZ Gospel Church. Join me. If you, if you have any problem, join us. God, God is a miracle worker. Is that the gospel? Praise the Lord. Are you looking for the fruit of the womb? Join us. My God will do it. Is that the gospel? Do you, do you realize that God gave men miracles who were not born again? Do you even realize that God fed people who didn't believe in him? The next day they were looking. He said, you are not looking for me because of the message. You are looking for me because of bread that you ate. And they didn't deny it. He fed them. He knew that they didn't believe his message. He said, when they were coming, he said, don't mind them. Those guys, now bread, though. bread and fish. Now they come fine. He said, okay, no, Allah. He said, you were. The first day he preached the truth of redemption. He says, you cannot be part of me until you eat my flesh and drink my blood. The scripture said the multitude went away from him. The first day the man preached the real message. They took off. What did they found about the gospel? Look at Paul's theology to the Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, which I also received. Look at the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. This, this is the gospel. His crucifixion. His burial. His resurrection. He says that's the gospel. These three activities will mean, will mean the same to everybody. Whether rich or poor. Whether young or old. The crucifixion of Jesus. The burial of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus. And after this. Go with me to John. John 14. Let's see the conversation Jesus began to have with these guys. John 14. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, this is marvelous. Verse 12. It's a long reading. But it says, Most assuredly I say unto you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father. And he'll give you another helper. The word another there is the Greek word alos. It means another of the same kind. Now listen very carefully now because I, 
I'm about to, to bring this to, to, to a stop. Now, if I say I'm about to stop, that's like 20 minutes more. So don't think I'm stopping in five minutes. <laughs> he says, I'll send another, Alos, another of the same kind. That means that Jesus was now introducing to them, listen carefully, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because now we must understand how is it that Christ and God will dwell in us. By what means is divinity going to live in humanity? Jesus now starts the introduction in John 14. That what's going to happen is I am ascending to the Father, but I am going to send you another helper. He's not going to be another person. No, he's going to be a different format of my same kind of person. Now this is what's going to happen. It's like, this is Jesus. Right? This is Jesus. And Jesus says, well, in this solid form, I'm going to ascend back to the Father. But what's going to happen is, I'm going to melt this stuff and make it liquid. I'm using this for example purposes, okay? Before you cry blasphemy. (laughs) I'm going to melt this and I'm going to convert it to liquid. Right? I'm not so much of a science student, but I know enough just to pass my exams. I know that water can just be water, right? Right now, just just say yes. Even if I'm wrong, just say yes. So don't make me feel like I said the wrong thing. Water can just be water, right? What other state can it be converted to? Solid. Like, right? That's like ice block, right? Okay. Then what other state can it be converted to? Gas, right? Right? Okay. If you don't know, don't just, just, just pretend like you know. When everybody say yes, just say yes. Let's all be wrong and all be right. So we can have water, liquid, gas, and solid. Or solid, gas, liquid. Now, the content is H2O. Am I right? I can't miss that. The content is H2O. If you test water as liquid, it's H2O. If you test it as solid, it's H2O. If you test it as gas, it's H2O. Now, you can touch the, the, the liquid state a bit. You can feel it, right? Like, if you put your hands in water, you can feel like, wow, it's wet. You can touch the solid. Like, if you hold it, you can actually hold ice block. Some of you ate ice block. I know. You, you know I know that you ate ice block. Right? Solid state. But somehow, somehow you can't feel the gas. You, you might not be able to touch it. Right? You might not be able to, sometimes you might feel it or something, but you might not be able to hold it as you would hold both the liquid and the solid state. But it has not reduced its, its content. It has not reduced from H2O. Now, now, the, the, that is Alos. Water as liquid and water as solid is this Alos as gas. What it means is that it is another of the same kind. Another state of the same kind. What that means is that when Jesus went up and ascended to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit, He did not just send us a spirit. He sent us, He sent us Jesus in a cast state. 
It means that whatever Jesus had in him on the earth was now incorporated in the spirit. And therefore when we receive the spirit, the Holy Ghost sealed us and assured us of our salvation and our redemption. We cannot be bold to say Christ is in us because we have him in another form. That is why <laughs> I hope you understood that example. That is why, see, Paul was bold to confront Peter. And Peter did not say, you, you didn't walk with Jesus. You didn't walk with Jesus. We are the twelve disciples. We are the ones that ate with him. <laughs> no. No. The same revelation Paul got of the new creation by the Holy Spirit is the same thing that Jesus would have taught if he was on earth. Your life will not have been more better if you walked with Jesus. That's the truth. The same thing the Holy Spirit is doing in you is what Jesus would have done. He said, the truth of the matter is some of you believe that if Jesus was alive, you would have been a believer. It's a lie. The people who crucified Jesus heard him. The man who sold him was his disciple. He was, listen, Judas was not just hearing Jesus. Judas was the one collecting the offerings, keeping the money. He's, while Jesus was preaching, the man was thinking of how to market Jesus. Say, man, this guy, this is the original Jesus. So this is not about Jesus. <laughs> Say, guys, I, I, I heard you have been looking for him. Say, yes, yes. Say, how much will you buy him? 45 pieces of silver. Say, no, Say, no, 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 no. If it's the other Jesus, 45. This one is the real one from heaven. And the man sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That guy was following Jesus everywhere. He ate with him. So don't think that if Jesus was alive, I would have believed. It's all these pastors that are making me not to believe. It's a lie. Unbelief is, 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 the Bible calls it the wicked heart of unbelief. It takes the Holy Spirit to break the heart of a man. So I'll send you another helper. Look at the next words. Read those next words very carefully. Read them very carefully. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit in us? He may abide with us for how long? For how long? So I tell people, you don't come and say, Oh God, we want to invite your spirits. Oh, we just invite you here. Invite him from where to where? He lives in you. He abides in you. What you do is you acknowledge his presence. Father, thank you for your presence. You are now the mobile carrier of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at, look at Acts chapter, Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Let's do four more scriptures. Acts 3 series. Acts 3 6. Look at this. Thank you Lord Jesus. The revelation of redemption. <laughs> I'm born again. I'm saved. The Holy Spirit abides in me. Hallelujah. These are the things you should confess every day. Look at this. Let's read from verse 1. You know the story quickly. Let's read from verse 1. We have like 15 minutes more. And a certain layman from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seen Peter and John about, about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him. With John. <laughs> Look at boldness. 
Peter said, look at us. He says, look at us. Keep your eyes on us. This is bold. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. This next statement humbles me. Look at it. But what I do have, no doubts, no guesswork, 100% sure. He didn't even consult God. He said, listen, I don't have money, but I have something. See, Peter was sure of what he had. (laughs) I'll give to you. He was not only sure of what he had, he was sure that he had the ability to dispense it. This is boldness. He didn't say, oh, let the choir, choir sing, just be on the keyboard, slow, slow, just take it slowly. No, he didn't say, let's, let's, let's just, let's just, let's just create an atmosphere. Have you heard that? Let's create an atmosphere, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with all of that, you know, sometimes people get angry with me for saying that. There's nothing wrong with that. He didn't create an atmosphere. Just a normal conversation. I don't have money, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. Confidence. Assurance. He says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Look at the next line. And he took him by the right hand. Lifted him up. So he, leaping up, stood and walked. Entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping and praising God. Wow. Look at the boldness. Look at the boldness. You know what I like about this? It's something I want to emphasize if I have time. But look at this. Uh, Please go home and read it. I don't have time. I want to finish this. But if you look at verse 11, look at what happened. A lot of people now gathered around Peter because of that miracle. Listen carefully. This is where we miss it in our Christianity today. You know what Peter did? Peter began to preach the gospel and began to talk about the gospel. And if you read up to verse 26, he preached the gospel to them. He did not use the miracles to authenticate himself. After the miracles, he focused on the message because he knew that the miracle could become a distraction from salvation. So what did he do? He started preaching to them again the message of the gospel. You see, even as we see many miracles in our midst, we must keep the gospel at the forefront of what we do. Are you following? I said, are you following me? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you getting blessed? Say amen if you are. Amen. So Corinthians chapter 5. God is going to use you to do incredible things. Oh, we're reading about Peter now. We're going to read about you. The day and the time is coming when men are going to read history books about your works. In the name of Jesus, through your hands, miracles will flow. It will become a normal part of your life. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deaf ears will be unstopped. Blind eyes will open. The lame will walk. Cripples will work. It will not be because you are called into ministry. It will just be your normal life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. Look at this. So Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. We are no longer separate from God. We are now the ones that he has reconciled. He says, we have been reconciled through Jesus. You know, someone met me the other day and said, oh, I'm praying. But my prayers did not pass the ceiling. I said, no, they didn't need to pass the ceiling. That's the wrong direction. You are now seated with Christ. When you pray, he hears you. Are you following what I'm saying? He says, we're now reconciled back to God through Jesus Christ. And has given us. The ministry of reconciliation. This is where I want us to anchor tonight. You did not just become a new man in Christ. Just to enjoy the rights and the privileges in Jesus. You are now a new man in Christ. With a ministry committed into your hands. What is that? Cause it the ministry of reconciliation. That is. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How was he doing this? Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us. Not only do we have the ministry of reconciliation, we also have what? The word of reconciliation. So this ministry has a specific word. Now, listen carefully now. Most times when you ask certain people, they say, what is your ministry called to do? You will begin to hear all kinds of things. We are called to raise champions. (laughs) We are called to raise mighty men of valor. We are called to raise terrible men of righteousness. We are called to raise winners in the cutting edge. You will hear many things. That's beautiful. But there's only one message. There's only one word. It's the message of Christ. And it's the word of reconciliation. That's it. That must be at the forefront of our ministry. Look at what it says. Now then. Oh. We. Are ambassadors for Christ. What? Remember what we started this conference with? Genesis 1.26. Representation. Come on talk to me. Representation. What does an ambassador do? He represents his home country. Listen. Listen. His home country. In another geographical location. Okay. Pause and think of that statement. It's like the ambassador of US in Nigeria say, I don't know if I'll be able to go home. For those who don't know if they will make heaven. I don't know if I'll be able to go home. Now, if you don't, if you, if you not be able to go home, then how are you representing your home country? 
Okay. Because an ambassador is supposed to actually represent his home country. Okay. So it's like you meet the American ambassador to Nigeria and you ask him, are you a U.S. citizen? He said, eh, I'm not sure yet. Until the last day. Ah. You're not sure? Then how are you representing it? You cannot represent somewhere you are not sure of. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I know your brain is trying to process it now. But calm down. You get it. Just relax. Paul was bold when he says we are ambassadors of Christ. He didn't mind his words. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a seal of our redemption. Look at it. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Oh, look at this. Look at This is thick, man. In the previous verse, Paul says, God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Paul moves on to this verse and says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. The location of God's agenda has changed. He was doing it through Christ. But now that we are born again, God is now in us. Reconciling the world to himself. Yeah, I know it's tough. We employ you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. I'm going to show you a scripture. Look at this. This is heavy. He says when Jesus was on the earth, God was walking in Jesus to draw men to him. He says, but now we are the ambassadors. We are the representative. He says, God is now pleading through us. We are the ones that God is pleading through right now. You be reconciled to God. Let's go to the book of Acts. Let me show you something. Let's go to the book of Acts. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Acts chapter 10. Let me show you something there. Acts chapter 10. Let me make that the last scripture. Acts 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 10. Come on, say this. Say, I'm an ambassador of Christ. Oh, say it loud and clear. Say, I'm an ambassador of Christ. These are the confessions that you should make daily. I represent Christ to my world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the gospel has now been committed to your trust. I'll tell people this. I believe in welfare. I believe in helping the poor. I believe in doing all the wonderful things that church is doing. But listen, Bill Gates can trump us to that. Bill Gates can feed more poor people than we ever feed. Bill Gates can build more roads than we'll ever build. But there's one thing Bill Gates might probably not do. He might never preach the gospel. We are the only ones authorized on earth as new creations in Christ Jesus to preach the gospel. You see, we cannot make our primary purpose become our secondary purpose. And make our secondary purpose our primary purpose. As much as it is good to feed the poor, listen to me, if we feed the poor and we don't preach the gospel to them, we are only feeding sinners for hell. That's our primary purpose. But we allow the world to change our direction. It says God is in us. Pleading, begging that men be reconciled to him. How many of your friends do you have that you have helped so much and yet you have never one day preached the gospel to them? Yet you pay their rent. Yet you take care of their children. You don't consider their salvation important. 
Oh, and then you say, well, I don't want to judge. This is not about judgment. This is about the soul. This is about God's redemptive plan. Are you still here? Let me show you something in Acts 10. Let's close. Acts 10. The story is interesting. Remember the story? Cornelius was praying and was fasting. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at this. I want to, I want to pick out the verse for you. Look at this verse three. About the nine hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? Cornelius was not born again, but he called him Lord. An angel even appeared to him. That's why I'm telling you that a lot of these things can happen without salvation, but they are not salvation. Look at what happened. So he said to him, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Look at this. He said, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose son name is Peter. He's doing this and that and that and that. And so when he had explained all these things, he sent men to, why did the angel not just preach to Cornelius? Why did the angel not just preach the message? He called his name. He gave him an address. He gave him the name of the man to, to, to come to him. Why did he not just preach? Because it's not for angels to preach the gospel. It's for men. It's for the ambassadors of Christ. Now go to verse, go to verse 32. Go to verse 32. So, send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here. His name is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon and Tana by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. My question is, what is it that Peter will speak to Cornelius about? That God was not already speaking to him about. This was the message. Cornelius was going to preach the message to him. He says, send for Peter. Can God trust you to be sent for? You imagine if you go to a man, a big man like Cornelius. And he says, where? The Lord sent me to, to send for you. To come and speak words to me. Say yes, sir. You see, God was just telling me that you are going to be a great man in this nation. You are going to be a great man. I, I just perceived as I enter the gates. The angel just said greatness. I thought I was just hearing that word greatness. Greatness. I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, You are going to be great. That's what we're going to speak. Come on. Because you see, by the time you step into the house of Cornelius, you will understand that poverty is not his problem. You might not even know that he needs salvation. You begin to see, 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 I see a shaking in the nation and I see you becoming the chief of army staff. Wow, I just heard that was strong in my spirit. Army staff, army staff, army staff. I said, what Lord? He said, this is the man. You will see many things without seeing that this man, regardless of what he had around him, there is a hunger in his heart. He needed to hear the gospel. Thank God for sane people of God. Thank God for sane ministers of God. Who will walk up to the rich and still know that there's something lacking. Who will walk up to the poor and know that in spite of helping you, you still need the gospel. He says he will speak to you. When he comes, he will speak to you. Not when he comes, he will collect seed. 
Not when he comes, he will receive prophet's offering. Not when he comes, he will give you 17 keys to accelerated breakthrough. When he comes, he will speak to you. He's going to give you a message. <laughs> Look at this. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Christ. This is the gospel now. What is peace? Reconciliation. Preaching peace through Christ. He is Lord of all. The word you know, which was proclaimed throughout Judah, and began from Galilee, after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed, by the devil, for God was with him. Do you know something about us, church? We always like highlighting the verse that means a lot to us, and leaving everything about that verse. Do you realize that that verse I just quoted, which we quote a lot, was in context of Peter preaching salvation? He was preaching the gospel and used that verse to authenticate the ministry of Jesus. Verse 39. Look at this. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, but in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. Peter is preaching the crucifixion now. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. What has Peter done in speaking to this Roman centurion? He has just summarized the gospel. He says when he was baptized right from uh, the river Jordan and John baptized him and God gave him signs, wonders and miracles and he was crucified on a tree and he rose. Jesus, uh, Peter in an instant was summarizing the gospel right from the birth of Jesus unto his death, his burial and his resurrection. That's what Peter was doing. Let's go on. Him, God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but to the witness chosen before God. Even to us who ate and drank with him. After he arose from the dead. Look at verse 42. Oh, thank you Lord Jesus. Look at verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Verse 43. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remissions of sins. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, what words? The words of salvation. The Bible says, the Holy Ghost fell on all who heard him. What happened? When Peter preached the gospel, the Holy Ghost came and took his abode in those who believed the message. Again, they now became the ambassadors of Christ. The circle continues. You didn't receive the Holy Ghost to shut up. You didn't receive the Holy Ghost to just own a big house. You didn't receive the Holy Ghost to just get visa. You know, sometimes it's amazing. Oh, praise the Lord. I have a miracle visa. That's not why he gave you the Holy Ghost. It's good to have a miracle visa. But he gave you the Holy Ghost for the preaching of the gospel. He said, do, do you observe something? Immediately, Peter hit the nail on the head. 
that anyone who believes in him will have remission of sins. It means his sins will be forgotten and blotted out and cleansed out. Immediately that, that, that one was delivered. The Bible says the Holy Ghost fell. It was like the Holy Ghost was waiting. Like, preach it. Say it. Get to that point. Get to that point. Get to that point. Get to that point. And when Peter hit it, the Holy Ghost fell. Why do we have lower manifestations of the Holy Ghost in our meetings? We don't preach the gospel enough. We don't preach the gospel enough. Mark 16, 15. Let me close here. We have three minutes more. Mark 16, 15. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He says, send for Peter. He will speak these words to you. What words? What words? The gospel. That's why I made up my mind. I'll preach the gospel. It doesn't matter who is hearing or who is not hearing. Oh, we should make up a commitment. We'll be committed to the gospel. This is the hope of humanity. Look at what he says. And he said to them, let's look, let's look at verse 14. Let's start from verse 14. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you there in Mark 16? Are you there in Mark 16? Let's read from verse 14. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's read this. I want to close here. We have two more minutes. Verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And the signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Not they will interview demons. They will cast out demons. Because what we see all around us is the interview of demons. He says they'll cast them out. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will be, it will, it will by no means hurt them. There are no group of people more afraid to eat in people's house than believers. You can go to a fellow believer's house and they serve food to you and you are hungry. Why don't you say that? <laughs> I just finished eating five What about water? No, 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 no. I just took one gallon of water before I came. Afraid of death. Too much Nigerian home movie. And then preachers who also authenticate it. That's how you'll be hearing story. I was in Abuja two days ago and I was praying for this woman. And this woman said, when he went to this woman's house, he just took water. And he made him take water. They just sacked me from his place of work. He just realized the marriage began to have problems. Even his children began to be, a preacher preaching that to you. Say, Jesus. You just hear people doing that in church. God forbid. This word is wicked. Jesus. 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 You hear that every day of your life for five years. Even your own wife's food you are suspecting. He say, ah, my, my dear, it's a... He say, no, no, go and give me water. Immediately, he goes, go and bring water. You just quickly carry anointing on here. Spray on the food. You are afraid that your wife will kill you. Fear everywhere. Even if you come for a program like this and they are serving food, oh, can we eat as believers? No, that's how they went for one program. One more day, stories. He says, if you take any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. 
Peter, Paul was in the isle, the island. And what happened? He says he was gathering sticks for fire, and a venomous snake bit his hands. And and they were waiting for him to fall and die. He says, but he continued. Realize he did not pray about it. It was not an issue. The Bible says he shook it into the fire and just continued his conversation. What? That became a turning point for the gospel. He did not say pack to send her. Catch that snake. Oh, don't let it go. Catch it. Catch it. Kill it. Bring kerosene. Burn it. Pour an oil here. Snap the picture. Send it to Papa. Let Papa speak a word. They sent snake. Oh, they sent snake. I know them. I know them. Look at what, look at what we have become. Ambassadors now becoming the most fearful on the earth. Look at where we are. So much fear. Let's read on. Let's read on. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. Look at what I like. Verse 19. So then, after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of, the, of, of God. You don't sit down when your work is not complete. Do you know why Jesus sat down? He had finished his work. He's not trusting in us. It's like saying, Lord, I've done my part. My boys are going to take over. They are going to do the job. He sat down like, listen, I've trained the guys you told me to train. Watch what they do. And I like the next verse. I like the next verse. And they went out. And preached how many places? Everywhere! Glory! Everywhere! They preached everywhere. They preached on Twitter. They preached on Facebook. They preached on Instagram. They preached everywhere. On YouTube, everywhere. They went out. That's the commission you're receiving from this conference to go out and preach everywhere. Don't be tired of preaching. And I like this. The Lord walking and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Glory to God. I said glory to God. They went out everywhere. I said they went out everywhere. The whole world is our parish. God has called us to go to the whole world. Thank you Lord Jesus. Let's be on our feet. Rato shekete balata. Oh, we receive boldness for the gospel. We receive boldness for the gospel. They went everywhere. They went everywhere. Let's recommit ourselves to the gospel. Let's recommit ourselves to the gospel. Your street is not too dark. Your, your street is not too dark. To the highways and the byways. We will go everywhere. We will preach the gospel. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 805 